from LPM. Louisville Public Media. Hey there. Just a quick note before the podcast starts. In this episode, Catherine Talbot tells her story, and it's fascinating. But it also includes the brief use of a racial slur. Thanks for listening. I am Catherine Talbot. I am 73 years of age. I am a retired educator. I taught for 27 years, and I thoroughly enjoyed teaching. I was born uh, the year 1945. I was in my mother's womb when my father was in the Navy. Uh, but in, in a way, I was uh, born in, we called it the project because that was the general term. It was called uh, Shepherd Square. And I grew up with a beautiful family that showed me how to respect life, how to respect people, and, I, and my community was the same. My great-grandmother, just like my grandmother, who had nine children, and two died when the flu came. And she says, I will not die, because they knew she was going to die, too. She was in the hospital. She says, I will raise my children. And she made a living by working and breastfeeding other people's babies. And she, everybody had one set of clothes and every day they had to wash them out and let them dry, get up the next day to wear them. When you have a great-grandmother who was born in slavery, and my, I asked my mother a few days ago, I said, what did she do? What, what happened? She said, well, she just told me that whenever they got food, they had to dig little trenches and hide them. And then if anybody came too close, if the master came too close, they had to start singing these songs to warn people because they didn't talk about it. They never, my grand, great-grandmother never talked about, oh, I was abused, I went to slavery. I'm sure those things happened. However, she had the gift of love. She had the gift of uh, respecting the human dignity of life. So that, I am not here because I just happened to be born on planet Earth. I am here because people have shown me through their actions how to be a person who cares for other people of all colors. I have friends of all colors and all genders. No discrimination. I graduated from Seneca High School, went there in the eighth grade, and that was the first year that, that was 1958, that uh, schools were integrated. Going to Seneca High School, I did not like it too much. <laughs> Most of the classes that I took were, I guess you can say, college prep. And usually I was the only black in, in the class. Uh, no one was hostile t towards me or anything of that nature. But it was, it was like, well, you can't really be a majorette and you can't really be a cheerleader, but you can play basketball and you, I felt isolated because when I was in junior high school, seventh grade, I was on the student council and I was in the band. So when I went to Seneca, it was just like, I'm here. I'm here. Nobody was overtly racist, but there was one incident of uh, a student, I think a grade level below me, at a football game. And she didn't know I was way in the back. 
and she hollered out, look at that nigga run. And she turned around. She felt my vibe. I was quite a few feet away from her, yards away from her, and she felt embarrassed. And that was the first time in my life I have ever heard anyone say the word nigger. Not even my neighborhood. We never said nigger. I got married early in life, but at that time period, it wasn't called early. I was almost 20. And I did not stay married long. Therefore, uh, I had my son, and I ended up living with my parents for a few years, and I uh, had one year of college. Later in my 20s, I decided I had to really do something with my life. Uh, I was working steadily, one of the first females to work at the post office, but I decided to go back to school with a little confidence. So I went to JCTC. I didn't want to finish any more than two years, but this lady there, she said, you really need to get four years, uh, one of the counselors. She gave me confidence. I went to Spalding, thoroughly loved Spalding, got my BS degree, and I decided I'm going to go and get my master's before I get lazy. I have wonderful parents. I would not have been able to do it without my parents helping, but I also made many sacrifices. One job I had to work the third shift with delinquent young ladies way out in Anchorage. And I decided the third shift would be the best shift for my mother <laughs> and me because she could just watch my son while he was sleeping. So then I would pick up my son from my mother's house and there went my, there, my sleeping did never happen that much. <laughs> I was lucky to get maybe two to three hours of sleep per day. But I didn't want my mother to be, and my mother is a loving person, uh, but I thought this is my, this is what I want to do. And she did it very willingly. And, in, and even at other times besides when I was working. But um, I'm glad that I was young, very healthy, and I made the sacrifice with my sleep. I was a teacher for 27 years, yes. Basically, you know, as an elementary teacher, you have to teach all the subjects, yes. So I taught them all, and I don't know if I have a favorite subject. <laughs> I just love them all, but uh, I would always, uh, like, I, like with older students, I would really talk about life, you know, as well as teach. <laughs> but with younger students, I taught first grade for three years, and I thought, how can I teach first grade? I've been teaching older students but I loved it as well. Towards the end of the school year, I'll never forget it. I had them all together on the carpet with younger children to bring about unity. The carpet setting is really great. So we sat and I began to say, let's do a end of the year notebook about the things that you liked about this school year, your friends, so forth and so on. So I began to tell them when I was six years old, and I said, when I was six years old in first grade, my best friend and I would walk to the cafeteria together. We would just talk. And I said, all of a sudden, she was whisked out of my life. 
I said, then we were told she has polio. And I told them what does that mean? And tears flow from my eyes. I said, I never saw her again. Well, I opened up a can of worms. <laughs> the children went back to their seats. They got busy with their stories about their school year. One of my so-called misbehaving student and was having a difficult time reliving things. And one of the brightest students, a female in the room, went and put her hand, her arm around her, his shoulder. And another student uh, of a Latino background was saying, I went home and my best friend wasn't there anymore. And the students were embracing each other with their stories. I said, I hope nobody comes in this room now. <laughs> First graders, six and seven years old. What, what are we as a society doing with and for children? They have a lot to show us. Empathy. empathy. Because I showed empathy and I just couldn't help the tears coming down. I'm talking about, I lost a friend. So, and when boys cry, and no one made fun of anyone. Well, you're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to do this. And what's wrong with you? Get a grip. You know, and you know, this is what we're doing with young people, thoughts and prayers. That's not what they want to hear. One of the treasures of my life, my mother, she's almost 97, she lives independently. I go and help her sometimes, but she doesn't require constant help. She's a joy to be around. Her mind is sharp, and she's loved by her church members and just like me, she used to work with youth. And I have a wonderful son. And actually, my son and I act like siblings. <laughs> he, uh, my son inspires me, and I inspire him. He inspired me to write, and I, um, that's what I have started to do. I got him into music and sports, and now he is a recording engineer, and, and he plays the piano. I'm inspired by him because just like my parents and like me, his mother, he doesn't judge people by what they look like. He judged them from their hearts. Talk about Facebook. I have a lot of Facebook friends and I'm trying to face them. So in one week's time, I had lunch with one of my Facebook friends who is a mother wonderful lunch and then we went shopping spent three hours with just seeing this person maybe second time in my life because uh, I want to be able to know people three days later I'm having lunch again <laughs> again with two of my young friends both of them one of them graduated from college uh, master's degree and one is uh, at the University of Louisville major in art and then uh, what was so beautiful about this, we're having such a good time that when we leave and we meet another young lady <laughs> and we take a photo with this young lady who uh, comes to Louisville periodically as a salesperson. And I'm thinking, I never thought that I would live this to see something as beautiful as this. 
I'm, I thoroughly, and I do voluntary activities with young people the first week of June, some young people and myself included. And another lady, we're doing uh, my first spoken word piece that my son said, please, Mama, start writing. And they are going to do that with me. Every day I, I, wake, I wake up with a sense of gratitude. I even brought this article with me to, to read, How Gratitude Changes Your Brain. Uh, but before I got this article, I just have such a gratitude. I really say to the universe, I'm so thankful to be on planet Earth. Catherine Talbot's story is part of Tough and Universal, Stories of Grit, a new series produced by WFPL in partnership with Ideas X Lab. The story was edited and produced by me, Erica Peterson, with sound design by Laura Ellis. For more, including photos of Catherine, visit WFPL.org.